Welcome to Crystallizing Conversations. Join your hosts, Jillian Aurelia Green and Iris Unique as we explore the tools, pathways, and possibilities for healing and expansion. Through the warmth of easy conversation, we'll be delving into magic, mental health, and more. This is your time to learn about yourself, each other, and of course, the crystals that support us along the way. This isn't just a podcast, it's a community of your closest spiritual friends. Let's grow together. Hi, everybody. Welcome to our fifth episode of Crystallizing Conversations. Hello. (laughs) We are so excited to have Raquel Cohen here. She is a spiritual life coach, a nature connector, energy worker, and plant stylist. She is the creator of the wellness and botanical styling service, Infinite Succulent, and the author of Everyday Plant Magic, and infinite succulent. She is committed to reconnecting us to the infinite power of nature, mind, body, and soul. Welcome. Thank you so much for being here. My goodness. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor to be here with you both. It's so funny. So we met, Raquel and I met in person because one of my really good best friends had, I think she, I don't remember if she texted me or I texted her. We saw this event at Soulscapes. I think I did. Somehow it came across my screen and you were doing a book signing. And I remembered you from back in my succulent days, because I used to sell succulents and being like, oh my gosh, because I remember you had the book back then. And then here's this new book and I love Soulscapes and you had some, you know, amazing workshops. So we got all excited. Yes, let's just go together, have a girl's night and go to dinner after. And it was just so lovely from the moment we walked in, you were so welcoming and you just made me feel like we already knew each other. And I still have my book here where you, you signed my book and called me magical. It was really sweet. <laughs> you are magical. We, we are all magical. I really, truly believe that. Yeah. And then, I don't know, we we did the, the workshop that you had us do, which was amazing. And I really feel like it is working, still in the works as, as far as manifesting. Um, but I immediately, the way you talked and the way you spoke about your history and just every little thing you said, I'm like, we have to have her on this podcast. So I mentioned it back then. And that was, I think... In November, yeah, we were yeah. we were just really getting into the weeds of of building the podcast and outlining what it was going to look like, and that was you you were Iris's immediate guest when we were brainstorming. <laughs> I was like, oh, I think my friend Rumi would be great. We had her on episode three, and Iris's put forth was was you. It was like, I just met this person and she's amazing, and I can't wait to have her. <laughs> oh my goodness! Um, thank you so much. That makes my heart feel really really full. So thank you. Yeah, of course. It's true. You're, you're, and as people will see, as we get into conversation, I feel like people are going to fall in love with you too. You're just a very amazing soul. So thank you again for being here. Oh, it is truly, truly an honor. And that was a really special night. Yeah. A really special I agree. night. Yeah. I agree. And we can talk more later about it. But. <laughs> <laughs> so to introduce you a a little bit more to our guests besides your your beautiful bio and all of your accomplishments. Uh, I am curious. I've got two two major questions. The first of which is, do you have a favorite 
crystal that you like to work with? It could be the one you're working yes. with right now or you're one of all time either way. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love this question. And it, it reminds me of a question I get a lot, which is like, do you have a favorite plant? And there's a part of me that's like, Ooh, I can't pick favorites. <laughs> They're so amazing. And there's a different favorite one for different favorite things. Right? right. But there's two that I work with probably the most, and I'm actually wearing them because that's a lot of how I work with it. So Ooh. Labradorite, which I have a little Labradorite <sighs> necklace. And then I also oh, have my, my Labradorite stone that I use for all my intuitive reads and then amethyst which I'm also wearing as a necklace oh my god well I've been working with crystals for almost as long as I've been working with succulents and with plants and in oh, fact wow. the plants and the and the stones came in very simultaneously for me as teachers and guides in my spiritual and creative journey. So mm. um, crystals are very close to my heart and Labradorite and Amethyst are just really two go-tos for me because it makes me feel like I'm connecting more with my higher self and speaking more mm. from my higher self and just feeling more connected to kind of like the intuitive realms. Both of these stones really help me with that. And then the Labradorite helps me with the communication and kind of like anchors it into my heart space. So yeah. I love that. that. That's Yay. beautiful. <laughs> I feel like so far, yeah, you went really deep. I like that. Not just like here, here it is. <laughs> but it's awesome. wonderful because it really I think I think we're gonna ask this question with all of our guests because it especially for our our listeners who do know crystals, mm -hmm. it really helps give a little insight into the way you work or what you're, yeah. what you're experiencing right now and who you are. So thank you for sharing that. Um, my second, my second question is, do you have a favorite plant? <laughs> <laughs> I love it so much. Or, okay. or, a, or a plant energy that you are feeling very drawn to with, yeah. with your, in your life at this moment. Yeah. So when it comes to house plants, I think the ones that I'm feeling the most um, connection with, I mean, I feel connected to all of them, but the, the type, and this is lots of different types of house plants, but it's philodendron um, is one of my, one of the plants that really speaks to my heart and helps me, especially with self-love. And that's when I, mm. one of the reasons why I love philodendron, especially for bringing into your home spaces. Also, they're really resilient. They're really beautiful. They can get really big, so they can take up a lot of space and they help yeah. you remember that you can take up a lot of space too, you know, like they're great for that. So I really find Ooh. that philodendron in particular are ones that for me personally have been really inspiring, really grounding and really, um, they're kind of like my self-love coaches. <laughs> Aww, I love that. That's beautiful. Yeah. And that, that reminder to take up space definitely. <laughs> It's because, oh, okay, so I should look into that plant. That's yeah, Monstera. Beautiful. Do you know the Monstera plant? The Monstera oh, I have a Monstera. I have a Monstera in my dining room. Yes. It's currently having yellowing leaves. What is that Too much mean? water. Too much water. <laughs> Too much. Cut back, okay. Cut, cut back the water a little bit in winter. But if you okay. want her, does she like the light in your dining room space? I think so. We get a lot of Eastern light and a little bit of Southern light. Okay. 
Um, yeah, I you know. and philodendron are so resilient. Like they are understory plants, so they like more dapple. They love being inside because they like more dapple light anyway. But what I would recommend to you, you mentioned that you sing. So having a, a monstera or a philodendron someplace where you sing or in your workspace or where you're communicating um, or even near a mirror where you're getting ready and preparing yourself so that as you're speaking kind words to this plant, you can also speak those kind words to yourself, right? As you're looking at this plant and the way it's taking up space, you can feel that sense of, I get to take up space in this moment here too. That is so beautiful. And I talk to my monster uh, all the time and tell it like, oh, you're so beautiful. Look at your new leaves. <laughs> but I never yes. thought to put it inward. Like, oh, you talk to the plant that way. So Iris, if it's you're already practice. doing that, what you're going to do is actually the plant that you're talking to in this way, name her Iris and speak to her by name. Iris, oh. look how beautiful you're looking today. Look how that. shiny your leaves are. Iris, I love the way that you're growing, even though I haven't really taken care of you as well as I did over the past week. Look at how you're still putting out new leaves. You're so incredible. Yeah. That's amazing. Oh, I love that idea. And I see Jill Jillian's literally taking notes. You guys. I'm, I'm literally <laughs> taking, I'm like, okay, this is, this is my prescription. This is what I need to do. I, I actually, I had that written as a ritual for philodendron in the book, okay. but we had to cut back. I, I ended up submitting like more than double oh. the word count <laughs> than I was supposed to. And my editor throughout the whole time I was writing, she's like, it's okay. Just keep writing. It's okay. We can cut back. Um, but that was the ritual I had for philodendron was give it your name and speak to it with love so that you can learn to speak to yourself with love. But there was, we had to take so it out. Amazing. So I think it's just like a one sentence now with Monstera. Okay. <laughs> I think there's that just like is, a one line. That <laughs> is so amazing. And I have to ask, cause you're obviously, well, you're obviously a crystal advocate too, but Jillian mm -hmm. and I are more crystal advocates. We both love plants, but you're obviously a plant advocate. You can oh, tell yes. like you are passionate about it. You love them. You speak their language. How did this begin? Has this been since childhood and it like yeah. devel developed over time or what? Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I in would some love ways, to hear like how this all started. Yeah. Like in some ways, yes. In some ways, no, because I was like literally a plant killer for a very long time. It wasn't until the birth of my Same. first daughter that I was able to actually like bring in house plants and keep them alive or even like grow an actual <laughs> zucchini. <laughs> um, you grew a baby. You can handle a zucchini. <laughs> right? <laughs> but when I was a kid, I did have a very close relationship with plants and I never really remembered that until I started getting back into the plants in the last six years. But when I was really young, we had a crab apple tree in my front yard and you guys, that was my best friend for like the first yeah. five years of my life. That tree was my best friend. We had a relationship. She had these perfect little roots that were like steps so we could climb up on her. And then there was this place that we could swing off this one branch and I would do it over and over again. Aww. And I was super, super tight with that tree. And I've always been drawn to trees. I love climbing trees. Even now, like you will always, if there's a good climbing tree, I will be in it and I will be climbing it in my forties <laughs> and hopefully for the rest of my life. Um, so I was always drawn to trees. I always had favorite trees to climb in the neighborhood. And then I also remember that my grandmother had a jade plant when I was growing mm -hmm. up that mm -hmm. I was obsessed with. Like just the feeling of, I can remember as like the feeling as a child of feeling the leaves and like mm -hmm. squishing them and even like popping yeah. them off. 
the way they kind of like pop off. And right, I, would, like, yeah. bring, I would bring my toys and like play with them in the jade plants. Like the jade mm. plant would be the forest. Mm-hmm. Um, Cute. So I always had an appreciation for them. And I, I'm such a nature person. Like mm-hmm. I, I was raised in a really religious home. And that never resonated for me. My family's modern Orthodox Jewish, which means that like we keep kosher. My family keeps kosher. They keep the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. Everything Mm -hmm. is really around religion. But, you know, we're also part of modern society. We don't try and isolate. But I went to like Jewish schools my whole life. Everything was around religion. And it was synagogue every weekend. And I was always like, I don't understand this. Like, I I don't. Yeah. Like, I never felt Mm -hmm. God in the prayers in the holidays, in the mm-hmm. rules, in the rituals mm-hmm. even. And I always felt it when I was climbing the tree, when I was like just interacting with nature in any way. So for mm-hmm. me, I always knew from a very young age that I have a very deep spiritual connection with nature and that I'm actually here to be a bridge between nature and mm-hmm. humans. Like that's something I've, I don't, I don't know how I've known that. It's just something I've always known. And so when I left home and went to school, I studied ecology. Um, I spent my first few years after school working in environmental education spaces. I worked at places like Sea Life Park Hawaii, uh, the Monterey Bay Aquarium, the San Diego Zoo. I was an animal trainer and an educator. I wrote curriculum. I presented. um, And it was all about just getting people aware of the natural world. My focus at that time was more on animals. I I was so into the animals. I was training like lions and cheetahs and dolphins and sea lions and and helping with like releasing wow. sea turtles back out into the ocean and oh it was my all gosh, about life. that's amazing it was amazing and i sometimes miss just that interaction with animals um although i have a dog and there's birds all over so i still get it but for me it was like it was all about what we would term charismatic megafauna, which is like cute, fuzzy, big animals. <laughs> and in some ways, like that's how you get people to care about the natural world. Is mm-hmm. For me, it was dolphins. When I was a young kid, I was obsessed with dolphins. I still am. They're Same. very much a spirit animal for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I got really interested in the ocean because I was so into dolphins. And then once I started learning about the ocean, I went into marine biology and got my master's in marine biodiversity and conservation. So I believe that zoos, aquariums have a very, very important role, especially in modern society, not to mention that most of the good zoos and aquariums are doing so much work for conservation on the grounds. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think they're really important. But for me at that time, plants were kind of just like the background. You know, like they were the habitat, they were the food, but I didn't see them as alive. I couldn't communicate with them in the same way I was communicating with the animals. And I remember there was periods of time where I really wanted to be good with plants. And so I like, I'd bring some plants in and be like, I'm going to keep these alive. (laughs) But I didn't know what I was doing. Right. And Mm -hmm. it wasn't until I was pregnant with my first that I started really having success with the plants. And I I think there's two things behind that. I think one, um, I was quieting down myself, right? Like my energy was getting quieter, a little bit more insular as I'm growing a new human. And I think from that place, I could actually hear the more quiet whispers that come from the energy of the plants. Whereas before I, I couldn't really hear it because I was internally very, very busy. Mm-hmm. Um, 
That makes a lot of sense. So I think there was that. And I think also it was what you said before. It was like this kind of nesting thing. And there's something for me about plants. Like when you bring plants into a house, it makes it feel like a home. And this actually goes into this concept called biophilia, which basically is a hypothesis it's a, it's called the biophila hypothesis. And it states that humans have a love for other species, um, an innate love that is basically within our DNA. We are like cellular, cellularly, uh, predisposed to have a love for other species because we evolved in nature. Mm -hmm. And I take it to the next step, which is that, you know, if our cells and all of us evolved in nature with exposure to all these other species, then doesn't it make sense that our cells would actually work and function better when exposed to these natural settings? And then if that's true, wouldn't the flip of that be true, which is that when we don't have exposure to the natural settings, our function isn't as good. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I think gosh. part of what we're seeing in the world right now mm. in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started bringing in some houseplants, started doing a little bit more gardening, and I kept the houseplants alive, and that was great. Then I had my second daughter, and um, after she was born, she was probably about 10 months when the anxiety got really, really bad. But I started getting really anxious. I started having issues with insomnia. This wasn't my first time dealing with anxiety. I had a lot of anxiety when I was studying to get my master's. Um, and I actually had a lot of anxiety working in the field that I was in. And this is called eco-anxiety or ecophobia, And it's basically an existential dread based on environmental <laughs> destruction. Yeah. Which makes, which makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, and then knowing what I knew, I mean, I know a lot, right? Like getting a master's in marine biodiversity and conservation and actually seeing the scope of the damage that we're creating and the feedback loops that come from that. And it just, it was a lot of doom and gloom, the presentation itself as well, like the course I was in as well. Yeah. So I was at the point with like not getting enough sleep and just dealing with this spiraling anxiety that I was starting to feel like I was a burden and like, my kids would be better off without me, like that mm. kind of sense. Now, yeah. thankfully I'd been through some anxiety before I knew when it was time to get some help. Um, so I found a therapist who it was fantastic. Cause just so happened she was like an energy worker on the side. <laughs> oh, so, wow, cool. Perfect. Yeah, there should be was, more energy worker therapists out right? there. And honestly, I think there are starting to become more yeah. now, which is so amazing. And I think all therapy workers are energy workers, but it would be great if they actually knew it. You know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> right. Yes. Totally. Yeah. Exactly. With, with the being able to do the energy work with intention along exactly. with all of the clinical training. Exactly. I mean, a pretty powerful combination. Yes. Yeah. Very, very. And I hope that everyone has an opportunity to experience something like that if they need it in their life. But mm-hmm. so she recommended this great book because she's like, you're just really stuck. I can feel how much energy is stuck, especially in your head and how you have no creative expression right now. And it's just causing you to be completely stuck in your head. I have a book to recommend. It's called The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. Read that. And we're going to continue with cognitive behavior therapy at the same time. So I read that book. I started doing morning pages. And within like Mm -hmm. a month, I had this compulsion. Really, it was a compulsion to start making art using clip succulents. Um, I was always like just into succulents. I actually used succulents for our wedding back in 2010. When I, when I moved to California from Hawaii in 2005, I was like, what are these adorable plants all over the place? They're so cute. What do you mean you can just clip them and like stick them back in the ground and they'll grow and they don't need water. I'm like, what are these plants? They're amazing. 
So I was always just so inspired by them. And so I used, I, at this time when I was dealing with this anxiety, I would take my the time during my kid's afternoon nap. And instead of doing all my chores on the to-do list, I would go out in the backyard. I would find like a vase or something. I would grab some stones, some sticks that looked interesting. I would clip some succulents and I would make little terrariums with these found materials, with nature. And when I was doing this, it was the only thing I could do at that time where I didn't have ruminating thoughts. It was like when I would do this this activity and this creativity with the soil, with the stones, with the plants, my mind went completely quiet. And I was completely in creative flow, which was something I hadn't felt for a while and was so medicinal for my soul that that's pretty much how my business Infinite Succulent began because it felt so good. I made so much art. <laughs> I started gifting it to like neighbors and friends. And then they're like, this is really cool. Can you make one for a friend for their wedding or for this party I'm going to? And then one of my friends was like, oh, you're a teacher. You should teach workshops on this. And so Infinite Succulent started as a succulent art business where I just taught people how to craft the succulents, how to make Yeah, you art. did I workshops was, too, yeah, right? Yeah, I did With a lot the, of like succulent yeah. pumpkins and Right, those are and, so cool, yeah. Yeah, and it was so fun and so creative. And I always talked, I always told my story. At the workshop, I always told my story about how the plants and the creativity came through as medicine for me when I was dealing with a lot of anxiety and depression. And that really mm -hmm. spoke to people. And I would always notice when we were in workshops, like, especially with adults, like there's this moment where they first start getting to do the work. And the way my workshops are is I don't just provide everyone with the same materials so that everyone makes something that looks the same. No, I give you so much to choose from. And then you get to choose what do I like? What do I want to do? Some adults love that. And some adults are like, <gasps> like overwhelmed. <laughs> freedom. <laughs> like I want to paint my numbers. What do you mean? Right. So I would find in my workshops, there would be like this moment. Like at first everyone's like overthinking it, overdoing, is this good? Is that good? And then there'd be this moment where it would kind of get quiet and I could just tell everyone was in flow. Like everyone was in that creative flow. I and I think that. that is part of the magic of the plants is the way they help us come to that present moment, that place of appreciation, that place of presence where we can really have a lot of magic, a lot of power, a lot of creativity from. So that's kind of how I got into plants. Um, at that time, I was so obsessed with succulents and so inspired by them that my favorite thing to do was to go to the thrift stores and find treasure that I could plant into because succulents are so awesome. You can really plant them into anything. That was literally my like hashtag for three years is I can plant a succulent in that. And <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> and seriously, I was doing wait, the wait, same what, thing at what the is, same time. Okay. What is... I just what is the craziest thing you have planted a succulent in? I did a lay for someone whose daughter was graduating. It was a lay that was going to it was made from macrame with succulents in it. Ooh. So I did wow. a succulent lay for someone's graduation from college. Wow. Um like headbands, bracelets, necklaces. Yeah, she the book that earrings. she did then has so many different ideas. I remember I I don't remember if you did this but I I was going to thrift stores too and like selling the little arrangements, but I went to the dollar store and got you know those little plastic toy dinosaurs? Oh yeah. So I cut out the backs of them and like I spray painted them in gold and in silver and then I planted succulents in the dinosaurs and they were just standing there with like their little <laughs> 
plant. That is so creative. So crafty. That is so creative. I, I feel so like fun. I don't have a crafty bone in my body. I'm like, I don't I even know where these ideas the come from. Plants from you. brought it out in me because mm-hmm. I wasn't that way either. But yep. your entire story right now, I'm just like mind blown. That's why I haven't talked at all because our stories are so similar. Like the religious upbringing and being in nature. And for me, it's the reverse of the indoor succulent or the indoor versus succulents because. I killed everything except for succulents. So then it, they got me super into plants and then I was able to take care of the indoor, but this is all totally blowing my mind. Continue. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, it's the same for me. I see succulents as kind of like the gateway plants, but okay. although I have to say for some people, like for us in California, succulents are really easy. I know for mm-hmm. a lot of people like in New York, That's succulents true. are not yeah. as easy. Um, so uh, that's just a little disclaimer there. <laughs> right. But well, thanks for going, plugging that because that's true. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, you know, going back to the thrift stores and stuff. So what was cool is I found some crystals at a thrift store that had the holes drilled into them because often you can find crystals that are, mm-hmm. you know, drilled as candle holders. And I immediately saw them. I was always drawn to crystals, um, kind of like shiny things. Someone who loved, I, you know, I think I'm sure I've been a witch in many, many lifetimes. And so I've always naturally collected things from nature, like little stones. I like the way this twig looks, right? like, like that feather right there, right? Mm-hmm. And so crystals were always part of that. So I found these crystals at the thrift store. I was like, oh, there's holes drilled in these. I can totally plant succulents in this. <laughs> so <laughs> I went home and I did so. And I was like, whoa, I'm feeling a lot of energy around this. And one thing that was cool when I started working with the plants was that I noticed that I was getting more sensitive to feeling energy just by working through the plants. Like I would, I would often have a little bowl of water when I was making arrangements so that if one of the plants as I was unplanting it to replant it, if it was super dry, I could give it a drink before I put it into an arrangement. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that when I was letting the plant kind of drink from the root ball, I could feel when the roots actually started taking the water in, I could feel it move up into my hand and up into my arm. And I could feel, I just knew when they had had enough. Huh. And I, I remember being like, whoa, this is really weird. I, I I know this to be true. I can feel it. And I don't know how I know that this is happening. So the plants were already starting to help me connect in more with my intuition and with the really like the psychic gifts that I've always had and that I believe we all have. Right. Um, so then I started working with the crystals and that just like exploded even more because I'm, com- I'm pairing the energy of the plants with the energy of the crystals. And then me being the person who's working with it with my hands directly into my heart chakra. And I'm just like, what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> what is this like, I, I mean, I'm hearing plants talk to me. I'm feeling sometimes as if I'm almost coming out of my body. And then other times I'm feeling as if I'm so supported by earth, like what is going on? So I got really curious about crystals and the metaphysics of crystals. And I got certified as a crystal energy worker and I started doing sessions. And then one of the things I did with my sessions is I would also bring clipped succulents and I would add like Mm. along with the stones, I would lay clipped succulents along the chakras system as well, especially for reinvigorating the chakras. Like once we've kind of cleared them out, when we're bringing energy back in, Mm -hmm. the succulents are amazing for that. And then I would, Mm. you know, let the clients take those plants home with them. They can then replant them and care for them. And that beautiful energetic bond continued the ones that they like the plants that help them have more energy now they get to tend to them and it's this beautiful like reciprocal relationship 
So, and as that was happening, I was also like, okay, as I'm doing energy sessions with people, I would like sometimes see things behind my closed eyes. I would hear messages or see words behind my eyes. And so I just knew that like things were happening internally to kind of awaken my own gifts. Mm-hmm. And it just, it was just one of those things where you just kind of keep following the little breadcrumbs and more and more opens up for you. And, you know, working with the succulents and starting to bring some plants into my house, I then got really, really curious about the way that just being around plants helps the nervous system because I was really having that for myself. You know, the anxiety I was feeling was me in sympathetic nervous system overdrive, um, really in a lot of fight or flight and just dealing with a lot of that dysregulated nervous system. And there's so much research that looks at just the presence of plants alone, like just looking mm-hmm. at greenery and how that impacts us on the physiological level. It's, it's really profound and it's really powerful. And so I leaned into that hard, mm-hmm. <laughs> really hard. As you can see, I have plants all around me. Yeah. And that's one of the things I really like to share with people you know, the way I work with plants and plant styling is less about, you know, the horticulture and the biology of the plant and even, you know, the anatomy. I mean, it's important to know your plant and how to take care of it and what it needs to survive. But for me, it's really more about the energetics of the plants. What are the energies you want to bring into your space? What are the energies you want to release? And how can we bring nature into the home to assist with that? That's really the way I work with them. I love that. You've like, no, that was the perfect answer because it was literally like you went in the order (laughs) that we were going to ask anyway. So we got to, (laughs) that's perfect. Amazing. Amazing. Um, I know we were talking yesterday and now I'm like, Ooh, should I be bringing this up or should I be bringing this up? And I feel like because it's in line with what you just said about how you're not really about the horticulture, it's more about essentially the metaphysical of the plants. Yeah. So can I just talk about your book for a second? Because I love it so much. So this book, the artwork on the front is so so beautiful. Like all my other books I have up on the shelf. This one literally has its own little corner by where I do my morning rituals. So I can like look at it just because it's so pretty. (laughs) So if you don't look up her book, we're going to have the link in our um, show notes. But how you've written it is so amazing. I mean, just listening to you talk, I'm sure people are realizing what the book is about. But to me, it very much resembles a crystal book. And you even have in different corners of the, like where to place the plant in which area of your home to bring in certain energies. And I've never had anyone else, I don't know if anyone else has ever done this, but I find this to be fascinating. Like that the plant, certain plants for, just like with crystals, for abundance, for confidence, for self-love, as you mentioned earlier. And it's just blowing my mind. So I love how you've not only written it out but can i read a part from one of the your chapter just like a couple paragraphs just because i i think it was one of the first ones i opened up and this goes back to my friend Brittany. so i'm going to tell you about her again so the one you met when at the book signing i went over to her house the other night for a manifestation ceremony and she has this beautiful um yard but she has snake plant all along the front of like where you walk in the wooden door to get into her like magical garden um but snake (laughs) plant you kind of have to walk around it to get to the area that people are at so i wanted to read this part about snake plant um snake plants i'm not going to try and read the scientific names i'm just going to skip over (laughs) 
are so named due to the beautiful snake-like patterning on their rigid leaves. While there are numerous varieties of snake plants that are super for styling, I'm, I'm kind of brushing over some parts, they're most often used in interiors and for magic. They have traditionally been called St. George's sword plant or in mother-in-law's tongue because of their upright <laughs> shapes and sharp pointed leaves. Not unlike a sword, the snake plant is a tool of both defense and offense, guarding our spaces by absorbing undesirable energies and attracting desired ones. Magically, snake plants are wonderful for providing protection and creating boundaries. Their sword-like leaves communicate much of their magical properties of protection and action. Like an armed knight at the front door, snake plants are ideal guardians for our spaces, absorbing unwanted, unwanted energies for protection while creating boundaries around all we wish to grow. And that was just like, oh, oh my goodness, my friend, without even knowing any of this, instinctually put, and you have so beautifully written it here. Like, that just immediately blows my mind. I, just had to I love that <laughs> feedback because honestly, I have had so many people tell me that they intuitively place snake plants by their front doors. How funny and is that? I just love that so much because I think it speaks to the way that the plants are always working their magic on us, whether we're conscious of it or not. Yes. And how intuitive we all are, whether we're conscious of it or not. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's just that affirmation, like reading your book, different spots, where it's just like the affirmation of, oh my goodness, that's how I felt about this plant. But I didn't, yeah. it wasn't, it was like a ping, but it didn't materialize till I read it in your book. So oh, I love that. So amazing. There's more that I want to read, but we can, we can continue. <laughs> yeah. The writing is so lovely too, because it's, it's so expressive, but also really easy to understand. And it does really feel like the plant version of a really good crystal book where it's like, these are the properties, but like, you already know it, but like, we're going to talk about it anyways, but you already know it. And it's, yes. and you can really get the feel of the voice of the plant. Like of each plant, you get the feel, how can I say this? You get the sound of the voice of each plant in each page. Yes. And that, they differ and it's beautiful. I am so happy that you said that because <laughs> it should be the voice of each plant because I actually sat in meditation with every single plant that is profiled in this book and channeled wisdom from them to the collective. That was part of my writing process. You know, I looked at, the plants and in terms of like their anatomy, their ecology, the history of using them for metaphysical reasons, all of that was research. But then for each plant, I also sat in meditation. I lit a candle. I set the intention of, I'm your voice right now. What do you want to say? And to hear you say that, like, you can hear the voices of each plant. Oh, it makes me want to cry a little bit, honestly. I mean, <laughs> because even like, you know, some of the examples that when we were first talking about it, Iris sent to me, it was also like the fern and the fern voice is so soft and feminine and like, it feels very, very different. Um, do you want to read that one? Um, okay. And then the pictures like, are just story so time. beautiful. It's story time. I need to do, I need to do a shout out to the illustrator because she's incredible. All of these were hand painted. These were no hand painted way. drawings. Her name is Maya Hanish and she is an artist illustrator out of Chile. Um, oh, wow. And she did such a beautiful job of bringing 
like the plants to life. And one of the reasons I really resonated with her and her style of art is that it combines like the scientific realism with kind of like that whimsy. And so it reminds me a little bit of like that magical realism that you can feel in the books of like Isabel Allende or Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Um, And that's what I wanted this book to feel like. I wanted to feel grounded in reality, but also expanded into the the truth of the multidimensionary and multi-physical, multi-sensory world we actually do live in. I think that really comes across. It's yes. beautiful. It's so gorgeous. Yeah. Every single page. It's like, if, even if you don't read it, just look at the pictures. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, primordial, elegant, and totally weird. Fern contains ancient wisdoms related to acceptance and authenticity. She is hundreds of millions of years old, as her ancestors dominated the plant scene when dinosaurs roamed the earth. Fern's magic is protective, supportive, and amplifying. When grown near other plants or used in floral arrangements, she boosts the magical energy of the magical energies of those around her, doing the same for us as well. With her sensual, unfurling leaves, she surrounds us with her aura, helping us to feel safe enough to let our own magic emerge. Carry a fern frond in your pocket when visiting crowded spaces to amplify your personal energy. Um, And then I wanted to read this last paragraph as well. Energetically, fern holds space for that level of authenticity within us too. She is that friend who sits by your side and bears witness to your pain without feeling any need to fix or solve anything, loving and accepting you just as you are. For in her wisdom, Fern knows that our greatest expansion comes from holding that loving space for ourselves, especially when we are in the storms of our own pain. How beautiful. Just, and then I have to talk about the um, fiddle, the fiddle leaf fig. I, I won't read it all just, but. You mentioned it's like a dancer and how in nature, the fiddle leaf, um, they sway and my fiddle leaf, like I'm gonna have to post a picture on our community, but my fiddle leaf, I, I pulled up that picture. Have you guys seen the mask? I know this is kind of off subject. Yes, but the movie, the mask, the Jim Jim Carrey movie. Okay. So he does this dance when he's trying to like, um, distract the cops and he's wearing this outfit and he's like a rumba guy he's like you they call me cuban beat i'm the king of the rumba i remember this yes so he's dancing around and i look at my fiddle leaf i'm like that is you you are that scene because it has its arms out and it seriously looks like he's dancing a cuban beat and so (laughs) so i have to post a picture of him but it's just you capture these plants so magnificently like spot on again as we've all been saying like we've been we something we internally knew already but you just bring it to the forefront and it's just thank thank you so much and i love that you keep that both of you have mentioned this idea of like this is something we already know and it's like a remembering because the way i start this book is actually welcome back welcome back Mm -hmm. because i believe that everything i share in this book is actually stuff we know we know innately, we know on a cellular level, and this is just a reminder. And the plants are the reminders, and the stones, the crystals are reminders to us yes. of what we already know. Right. Um, and that's why Ugh. I think they're really, really powerful, powerful tools. And, you know, it's just, 
one of the things also, when we talk about working with the magic of plants and the magic of crystals, it's also really important to remember that the magic that we feel from the plants and the crystals and the magic we create from the plants and the crystals is because of the magic of us, right? Like we are the most magical ingredient in this formula. Mm -hmm. Because I think especially when we first kind of get started with our spiritual journey, it can feel really, really easy to kind of give our power away to the tools. (laughs) Right, right. That's Mm -hmm. so true. Forget that like the tools are nothing without us, you know? Mm-hmm. So even though this book is all about using these tools in really magical, intentional ways, and yes, I pair crystals with every plant that I profile and talk about crystals in the front of the book too, throughout the pages, I really want people to remember, and I hope it's very clear that you're the most magical ingredient and that it's what you, it's the intention that you create and the desires that you bring to the forefront, that you bring to the surface, mm-hmm. that are going to create a harmony with these tools once you learn how to work with them. So beautiful yeah. and so true. I love that. And yeah. I know we talked about a little bit in your bio, you had said, it says something, nature connector. Yeah. I love that nature connector. So I, nature for me, and I think we probably are on the same, all three on the same page when it comes to nature, like plants are a part of nature and crystals are a part of nature. Um, but I wanted to get your definition of nature. Mm, I love that so much because I think sometimes we don't define these words. Like I also had to define magic for myself when I started writing this book too, or when I got the proposition for this book. But for me, nature, for me, nature is spirit. For me, nature is every aspect of, or not even just organic, but it's every aspect of creation. Honestly, humans are nature. And I remember when I was writing the book, I actually had a whole section that of course didn't stay in the book because again, I wrote way more (laughs) than was actually needed, but that's the way I write. Um, I did a whole section in the beginning where I was kind of defining terms and I was defining nature. Maybe I should pull that out and read what I wrote. But I had looked up the definition of nature in one of like an Oxford dictionary. And I was so appalled by the definition because they had said it's anything of this world in opposition to human-made things. Well, that was written so, by a man. That is right. Like <laughs> that was written by like a completely out of touch person who like is, <laughs> never leaves their room and is on the computer all the time. Like that is horrible. Like it made me so sad that a a, a dictionary like Oxford would define nature as anything that is in opposition to human kind and what humans create. Because basically it's such a disservice to us as humans. It's taking us out of belonging in the world that is our world, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so, you know, you can think of nature. I obviously think of mother earth when I think of nature, but Nature is more than just Mother Earth. Nature is also the moon and all the celestial beings and the spinning of our planets around the sun and even things outside of our galaxy. That's all nature. And I believe that the spark of our infinite soul, I believe that's nature too. So for me, nature is creator. Nature is God. Um, Whatever term you want to use for that, universe, God, creator, nature, like that's what nature is to me. And I believe as humans, we are most certainly a part of nature. Um, so, yeah. Well, I, I mean, think just think. I, oh, go ahead. Oh, I, I was going to say, I think that's a really beautiful reinterpretation, especially if, if 
an older interpretation is in opposition to, because then it means it's something that has to be conquered. It's something that's always trying to kill us. It's always something that's trying to harm us. And so we must harm it back in order to survive. And being able to, knowing that that has, by a very respected institution, been the definition for so long, being able to really start reframing for ourselves what it means to for something to be natural, for something to be of nature, and that we are inherently a part of it means we don't have to fight it. We don't have to conquer. We can actually learn to live with it in in unity. And that is such a more beautiful way to live and how we all used to and how many Indigenous people still are trying to to show the rest of the world how how to come back to, which I think just, you know, is summarized beautifully with your with your intro of the welcome back. Even if you don't have your definition in the mm-hmm. book anymore, at least we have that welcome back. We are all one. We don't need to be in opposition. So thank you for sharing that definition. I think that's yeah. it's, being aware beautiful. of that is important. That was so beautiful. And we even Julianne. talked a thank little you. bit. <laughs> so beautiful. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and we talked about it a little bit in our fourth episode with Yael and water, but it's mm. like, it, just think about when you're able, because I know a lot of, uh, I always tend to forget, we're in Southern California. So most of the time, me and Raquel anyway, most of the time, we can go out in the sunshine and go for walks still in the wintertime. And sometimes I remember last year I was posting um, videos of like, make sure and get out in nature today. And I was actually getting some opposition from people that were upset because they can't because of the snow or so then I started revising, like, make sure and sit near a window to absorb, you know, the sun rays and that sort of thing. But I know for me personally, and I've, I've realized this through a lot of my, my customers as well, is that going out in, and just people in general, being in nature, whether that's water whether that's going for a walk, even walking barefoot in the grass at your house, whatever it is, just being outside, absor- absorbing the sunshine, feeling the wind on your skin, seeing, you know, if you're able to, seeing trees and plants, the sense of calm and peace that comes over and just kind of washes away all the the ickiness that we tend to absorb while being indoors, being near computers. Like Jillian knows I have like a, my goal is to daily get out in nature because it's for me, it helps me with my anxiety. It helps me whether I'm feeling upset or sad or angry. The longer I spend in nature, the better I feel. The more time I can devote to nature, the better I feel internally. So yeah. nature. Ugh. Yeah. And you know, I'm so with you on that too. Like I, I've always been the person who, when I'm getting overwhelmed or like I'm working on, like, I remember even in high school and college when I was working on papers, like term papers, and I was getting to that point where like you're hitting your head against the wall and then the anxiety starts increasing. I would go Mm -hmm. for a walk. I would just go for a walk and it always, always helped. And you know what you're speaking to in the sense of like reducing anxiety, reducing stress levels, feeling more calm, feeling more at peace. There is so much science right now that actually really goes into what's happening on a physiological basis to the human body when they are around plants, look at plants, have exposure to natural places. You know, negative ions are a big part of that. Negative ions are actually positively charged molecules in the air that when we breathe them in, they help us create a lot more of the feel good hormones and even help reduce things like can help reduce things like allergies. And, you know, there's more research that has to be done about other health impacts, but they do know that they help us with, um, 
our body's creation of like the feel good hormones. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and we know that negative ions are only found in natural spaces. They're found very often near flowing water and mountains, uh, the ocean, cause you know, the waves, um, after a thunderstorm, after a thunder and lightning storm, there's a lot of negative ions. And I think sometimes when you go outside after that and you can kind of yeah, breathe it in, you can, like, you can really it. smell it. I feel like I'm on like a high after thunderstorms. Right? Yeah. And oh, that's that's... The neg- there's so much negative ions in the air wet after a thunderstorm. And then plants, plants are producers of negative ions. So I always tell my clients, if you want negative ions in your home, you have to bring nature inside. And one of the best ways of doing that, because not everyone has space for like a fountain in their home (laughs) for flowing water, but everyone has some space for a plant. Um, Mm -hmm. And plants are some of the best ways to bring in negative ions and also bring in just the kind of physiological response on the nervous system. So forest, have you guys ever heard of forest bathing? Mm-hmm. No, yes. I haven't. But okay. it's, I, I would I, love to do I it. I try. Now, <laughs> since I've moved to Portland, it's something I've been like, <gasps> at least once a week, I try to go out. I, I, I'm lucky enough to live in um, the forest park area of yeah. Portland. And yeah. so I'm like, literally, there's forest outside. Yeah. Uh, You're in which Portland. Is Her window like, is phenomenal. Yeah. 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 I'm like, show uh, me that window again. bathing all the time in Portland. Like, you just need to walk yeah, outside in like, bathing. You were, talk- <laughs> you were talking about ferns, and I'm like, literally like, and there's like 200 ferns right out my window. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Um, Not here but, in Southern yes. California. <laughs> no, I, do, I mean, I, I'm from LA, and so I, yeah. that's one thing I, I do really enjoy being, being up here. I miss the sun, but there's a whole lot of plants. It's nice. Yeah, so, so cool. much greenery. So forest bathing, um, in Japanese, it's called Shinrin-yoku. And, it, and, and the reason I say the Japanese version is because there's actually a ton of research out of Japan and out of South Korea and I think a couple of European countries. But the, most of the research is out of Japan and South Korea where they're looking at how the body responds to time spent out in the forests. And... Mm. There's a lot behind this, but a lot of this actually has to do with um, the, uh, I don't want to say aromatherapy, but although it is kind of aromatherapy, but it's, so plants communicate with each other. They do so through their root system and they also do it, do so through releasing chemicals, which we perceive as scent, right? Like the scent. It's like their own pheromones. Right. So (laughs) like every time you smell, like someone's cutting the grass and you get that cut grass smell, basically what that is actually happening is the grass is screaming to the other grass members ah we're being cut ah! like that's basically what's God, happening no wonder I hate like, that smell. prepare yourself prepare yourself <laughs> it's a murder scene out here <laughs> the bleeds are coming bag. <laughs> right but we're like mm, that smells so good right? <laughs> but leave that to our plants, human nature <laughs> totally but like even the smell of flowers like that actually is the plant's mm-hmm. way of calling in pollinators so plants communicate through smell going back to biophilia and this idea that human cellular you know just our dna and all of our all of our bodies evolved in nature, we evolved with these scents, with these smells. And so now we have essential oils and aromatherapy, and we can understand how the limbic system in the brain actually works with the smell to create physiological responses that helps reduce things like cortisol, make you feel a little bit more relaxed, and can even help boost the immune system just by smelling things, right? That's so amazing. So they're doing a lot of research in places like Japan and South Korea where they have people, they do tests where they're like testing, they're doing saliva swabs or pee samples or whatever way that they take these samples to check for hormone levels before. 
and then people go out and walk in the forest. You don't even have to, you don't have to run. You don't have to do yoga. You can even just sit in a forested area for at least an hour and you're going to have positive impacts on your body, especially with stress reduction. And a really cool thing that they found um, is that some of the white blood cells, these special killer cells, um, when we're in the forest and we're breathing in all the scents and the aromas of the forest, it actually increases our body's production of these special cancer-killing white blood cells. Um, not only does it increase their production, but it increases their activity. Oh, so wow. not only are there more of them, but they're stronger. And hmm. what they found is that if you spend like an hour in the forest, you'll have an increase for a few hours afterwards. But if you spend up to three days in the forest, like go camping, you're going to have an increase in these white, special white blood cells for like up to a week afterwards. Oh, wow. So just more Being in nature is our important. Body, yeah. Our body yeah. really does respond better and have more harmonious um, interactions when we're exposed to nature. Then I also saw a study where they were looking at people who were um, healing post-surgery. And they were looking to see, everyone had had the same surgery and they were like, okay, some people have a room with a view of trees and some people have a room with a view of a brick wall. Mm. And they actually found that people who had the room with a view of trees ended up leaving the hospital about a day earlier. They reported less pain. They reported higher um, like satisfaction with the nursing staff and they used less, uh, also asked for less pain and anxiety medication. So just having, and they did a similar study where they just provided either like a plant in the room or some cut flowers in the room versus not. And it was the same response. So just Hmm. looking at flowers, at plants actually helps the body heal as well. That's so amazing. I love it. Your friend has surgery. Give them plants, Give not them casseroles. Plants. <laughs> Give them plants. So yes, definitely I plants. Have, I have a question because, I mean, clearly, I think we all intuitively know this, and, and especially as you're, like, pulling out these awesome studies, it's very clear that our connection with nature is incredibly important. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, since not everyone has the privilege to have access to being in nature, you know, especially a lot of people who are, you know, have been forced into urbanized, over-urbanized areas. Um, You know, something that's happening just right now is like the last large urban forest in Atlanta is about to get completely raised to build a giant training city for police. Um, So a lot of these natural areas are in urban um, communities are disappearing or were never built in the first place. Are there any ways that you can recommend people who are living in these types of situations to get that connection um, besides just, besides just plants or it's just like bringing by, like get just get a house plant. It's like the one, the one option. Is there anything else that you have found can be helpful, even if the ability to escape yeah. to, um, yeah. Yeah. I love this area. question. Is it possible? Julian, I, yeah. I really, really love this question, Julian, because I think it's really important. And I think it actually speaks a little bit to kind of when we went, went back to the definition of nature, 
and like this idea that the definition of nature being in opposition to humans and then you know it kind of makes people already feel disconnected from nature disconnected from what they actually are so i always talk about our disconnection from nature as being more of a, a perception than it is a reality because i don't believe we can actually disconnect from what we are but i think we can believe that we're disconnected from what we are so when it comes to opening yourself back up to nature and feeling like you can connect with nature my like my biggest mission is to remind everybody that it's always accessible no matter where you are because nature is everywhere. And yes, bringing in houseplants is going to make a big difference just in terms of, you know, your own physiolo physiology, your own experience, just because you can see it and it has an impact. But even if you don't necessarily have the funds <clears throat> to start bringing in a lot of plants, no matter where you are, if you go outside, there will be some grass. There will be a tree somewhere, right? There'll be that dandelion that's popping up through the, the cracks concrete. in the sidewalk, <laughs> right? Like nature finds her way through always, always. And so my big thing is to remind people that you don't need to completely go off grid. You don't need to completely disconnect from this world to connect to nature. I think it's way more important to learn how to connect from anywhere. So for me as an energy worker, what I teach my clients to do is grounding. And from an energy perspective, grounding is simply the act of opening to receive energy from mother earth. And you can do it from everywhere. I do it on planes, just just to like practice it. And it is a little harder, but it's totally possible. The only place I feel like maybe it wouldn't be easy to do is like out in outer space, but most of us aren't going there. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like, you know, Speak because for yourself, the truth of I astral travel all the time. No, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but then what, after you astral travel, what do you need to do? Ground. For Ground sure. back yeah. in. Yes. Yes, yes exactly. <laughs> Um, and I think we all see what happens to people who don't ground in their spiritual practices. It can lead to spiritual psychosis. It can lead to a lot of a lot of things. Grounding is extremely important. And I think it's really remembered important to remember that if you're here on earth, which most of us are, I don't know how else you'd be hearing me right now, but who knows? <laughs> like, who knows? There's a lot out there we don't know. Um, if you're here on earth, you can ground. So for me, it's really about first learning how to ground, learning how to connect energetically to earth and pull that energy up into your body and then also release. And I see this as sacred reciprocity and that we could do it through our breath alone, right? Like living, being alive is always a give and take. And mm -hmm. I think sometimes we can get a lot of guilt, especially in modern society as humans for overconsumption. But the truth is, is that we are consumers. There's no getting around that. Like, we have to eat. We have to use materials to survive. Like that's who we are. And we don't have to feel guilty about that. But we do have to remember that being a consumer is part of a cycle, is part of a, a system, and that we have value in this system. Our waste is supposed to feed the earth, right? Our, the way that we tend to the earth is supposed to help the earth to continue to grow. And that's what a lot of indigenous uh, nations, indigenous people were doing for so very long. Um, you know, even in this country here in North America, you know, when the Europeans came over with their biases, they thought mm -hmm. that it was this completely untouched land, but it wasn't like what they found here and the, the, the treasure of the na natural spaces they found were very intentionally created by indigenous populations for centuries. 
you know, so we are part of the system. So I think just starting there, remembering that you are nature, remembering that you can go outside and connect with the sun in a city as much as you can connect in the sun in the desert or on the beach. You can connect with the earth wherever you are. And then from there, you'll start noticing the birds that still fly around your house, the lizards that scurry around, the plants that are there, and they'll start getting louder and louder and kind of call your attention more. And it'll just start coming in from there. It's about learning to open yourself back up. Cause I think yeah. that's the biggest thing. And this is one thing that I really learned when I started getting into energy work too, you know, for so long working in the field of environmental education, I actually felt like we humans deserve to be punished. Like I actually felt like the earth would probably be better without us. Right. And mm -hmm. you know, it seems like that's the way we're going since we refuse to change our ways. So <laughs> Like that's, I actually, and it, it was, you know, I was really depressed and anxious about it. And, you know, with two young kids out there, I was really struggling with like, did I do the right thing bringing these kids into this world? Right. You know, like I, I struggled with that for a while. And then when I started doing energy work and I learned that the, the greatest form of energy coming to us here on earth always is prana, is this life force energy. It's always flowing to us. You just need to open to receive it. And it, it helped me remember that, you know, every day I go outside and the sun rises and the plants are growing and the birds are singing and they're doing their thing and the ants are, you know, finding their little crowd. Like nature is still naturing even though mm -hmm. we're like, the world is ending, right? Like whenever I've had these moments where it feels like everything is out of control and so bad, and yet the world's still spinning, every, everything is still happening in its natural cycle. It helped me remember to just open up to the fact that everything's still beautiful. Everything's still okay. Even though, yes, when we look at it from the human perspective, the world can feel like a total dumpster fire, you know, like I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna stick my head in the sands. Gotta be accepting of what the truth is. Right. But that was really, really important for me because I, I was really struggling where I would go out to these beautiful places and I would feel the awe and the beauty. And then my brain would be like, Oh, but in five years, all those trees are going to be dead because of the bark beetle and climate change. And like, I wouldn't allow myself to, to be Enjoy in the presence it. of like, awe of mm -hmm. of appreciation as soon as I would get there my mind would immediately come in and tell me no it's all bad it's all mm -hmm. bad right and so I would close myself back up so it's opening opening to the energy of nature opening back up to realize it's all around it's always available always I love that and I feel like it's a, it's a segue for one of the next questions we were going to ask which um, it's more of like a me and Jillian thing, but the crystals, the crystals that help us do just that, opening up to nature, um, connecting with nature. Because like you said, a lot of times our mind gets in the way and we, you, you put it perfectly. Sometimes we feel so, there's so much guilt about what's happening that we end up closing off and not actually doing the part of the connecting because we're just so in our heads about it. So um, yeah, I would love to talk a little bit about the crystals that can kind of help get us there. So I have two formations and I ended up printing up because on my website, I have the free encyclopedia, but it's very basic. So I printed up my little, a couple of my excerpts of my, my paragraphs that I've started for my book. Um, but one of my favorite formations that really helps me connect to nature in the way of it gets me out in nature. 
So say you're the type of person that you, you forget, like you don't think about going out in nature and here it is nighttime and you haven't done it yet. But for me, one of my favorite formations, now this is um, a crystal that's completely covered in it, is called, we've talked about it before, conchoidal fracture. Now you typically see obsidian form like this. It's very sharp. They have these like water ripples. Yeah. Yes, exactly. They're obsidian. So they look like they have water ripples. And when you take it out in the sunshine, light reflects off of it. It very much resembles like light reflecting off of water. So this is another way, as Jillian said, if you're somewhere that there's no nature, there's no water, take your crystal, either obsidian or quartz, whatever you have that has these conchoidal fractures. And it very much resembles being near water, um, the, the how the light reflects off of it, it has this very magical, mystical feel about it. Um, and then I just wanted to, there was something in here. Take your conchoidal fracture crystal outside on a sunny day. Gaze into the markings as you move your crystal gently, twisting and turning to reflect the sparkles of the sunshine. Soften your gaze. Take a deep breath in and out. See what images appear to you within and on the crystal. Conchoidal fracture says, trust that magic is working in your favor. So that's the conchoidal fracture formation. And then the other one, this one is huge, but is um, Devic Temple. And this is a massive tower that's in my personal collection. But wow. um, you might not be able to see it Holy clearly. Moly. But there are internal fractures all through this crystal. And Devic Temple is when the internal fractures are almost all horizontal. And so in the metaphysical community, these are invitations. They're almost like a little resting place for magic. So for fairies or fae creatures, they come in. It's like a little resting space for, that's what people have said about it. But for my little, um, don't set it there. This thing is huge. <laughs> um, so another type of crystal formation that you guys might be for more familiar or as the, the listeners might be more familiar with is crackle quartz. So that's like a man-made version of Devic Temple. So you can use those as well if you don't have a Devic, a natural one. But the word Devic is derived from Deva or Devi, a supernatural divine being or God in Hinduism and Buddhism. Deva means shiny, exalted, heavenly being, divine being, anything of excellence. Um, in the crystal community, Devic temple crystals have been said to be resting places for these supernatural beings. Think of each of these horizontal fractures as little ledges, inviting them to rest in this temple. Because they connect us to the supernatural, they also help us connect to Mother Earth and all her creations, both seen and unseen. They emit a high vibrational heavenly vibe and help to activate our crown chakra. So this is a crystal that will help us to stay open to those signs, stay open to seeing, like you mentioned, you know, the little dandelion that's growing from the concrete, noticing that there is nature all around us, even if there are buildings all around us. So those were the, the two that I was gonna talk about. <laughs> That was fascinating. I love the way you yeah. go into like the formation stuff. That is so interesting. Oh, thank you. I obviously love it. <laughs> it's my thing. <laughs> um, before I get into actual crystals, I do want to bring up, you had mentioned it earlier, Raquel, but uh, really pairing crystals with plants, especially if you've got a house plant or if you garden, uh, I know this is something that I, I often did. And I will say when I've done this, 
the plants have lasted longer. <laughs> so even with my maybe not the greenest of thumbs, um, my plants haven't died, even if they're not necessarily like as thriving versus <laughs> the ones that didn't get crystals and those ones bit the dust pretty quickly. So, um, so if, if you maybe aren't the best at gardening, I think that's besides, besides, I think, which is really important, um, allowing yourself to find that quiet space to, and, and really communicate, whether that's verbally communicating, like we've talked about before, or just trying to listen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think pairing with crystals is another great way to, strengthen that bond, right? I mean, whether that's giving crystals as an offering to a plant, whether you're, if you're out in the forest and you're, I mean, I've done this all the time where it's like yep. in in the forest, like, thank you, thank you for being here and allowing me to be in this place. And I'll take Aww, like tiny little beautiful. tumbles and I'll like hide them in like the little, the little holes and trees and, and never see them again. Um, because they were, they were taken, they were accepted. Yeah. So I think like gifting crystals is a really beautiful ritual to, to encourage that reciprocity, like showing like, we do Mm -hmm. want to give back. We do want Mm -hmm. to be here. We don't want to be in opposition and really having a a physical act to showcase that. Uh, and then if it's a plant in your own home, I mean, crystal plants like gifts, right? I mean, yeah. I like gifts. I'm sure totally. plants like gifts. So one of the things I often do and I recommend when people are like, my crystal broke, what do I do? Gift yep. it to your plant. Yep. They 100%. don't care if it's I do broken. The same thing. <laughs> yeah. In fact, um, it looks great when they're, it looks you can stick it in the soil. It looks great. Yeah. Yes. So <laughs> gifting, gifting crystals whole or broken to your plants, encouraging their growth. And I think also, especially if you've got Raquel's book or using your own intuition, really aligning the, the, shall we say properties of a crystal with the properties of a plant for manifestational purposes or for, for intentional purposes. So I have, for instance, um, I'm hopefully don't butcher this up. Pakira aquatica, AKA a money plant with the, Ooh, the, okay. beautiful, yeah. the really beautiful braided. So I have a money plant. Yep. Um, and I have citrine, nestled in there and within its roots i've got green aventury nestled there in its roots like bringing in and because they have the same or at least very aligned properties it's like i'm just going to enhance this totally so i I think that's another another way that you can really utilize both at the same time to really amplify your intentions um i will say again before i get into specific crystals just make sure that your crystals are not one crystals that will dissolve easily when you water your plant. You don't want that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then two, that it's not a crystal that could potentially be harmful for your plant. So an example could be pyrite. Pyrite is a really great abundance crystal. I'm not going to put it on my stone. I'm not going to put it in the dirt around my plant because, um, pyrite and water don't react very well and it could end up causing nutrients that go non-nutrients shall we say to go into the into the dirt and I don't want the plant absorbing anything that could potentially be harmful for it so just be aware of that it might be good to stick with actual like things in the silicate family those usually tend to be safe um 
So keep that keep that in mind. Again, do your research. If you don't want to make a gem elixir out of it, your plant probably doesn't want it either. Oh, smart. <laughs> probably yeah. good. That's probably a good, good way to word it. Yeah. If you if you don't <laughs> want to ingest yeah. it, your plant probably doesn't tell you. So for yeah. actual crystals, I've got two little sections here. One is plants to encourage plant growth. And I have tested these. And as I said, the ones that have them, <laughs> they are alive, which awesome. they have worked. So um, the first one is going to be green aventurine. Not only is it a crystal for luck and abundance, but it's really a crystal of abundance because it is a crystal of vitality. So this is a crystal that really encourages growth and health, whether that's our own health or whether that's the plant's health. And it has that beautiful green color. So it's resonating with the heart chakra, which is perfect for plants. And they look really cute together. So green yes. aventurine. Love that. Um, and then the other two... Technically, they're the same stone, but they're two variants of the same stone. So I have here, I've got a sphere. You're keeping moss. us all in suspense. I know, I'm I know. like, ooh, what is I have it? moss agate <laughs> and uh-huh. green tree agate. So they're actually yes. the same stone, right. but one of them has more white with a little bit of green, and one of them has lots of green with a little bit of white. So again, both of these are also often considered abundance crystals. And I think it really is because it ties into that, that, um, that elemental energy that plants have of like life and abundance and that we are in reciprocity. And so if we are giving, we will get back. And so, and, and vice versa. So I think both of those, I think are really fantastic for encouraging plant growth. And they're also both really great for connecting with nature itself. Um, I think their names, it, it's no surprise that they ended up getting named what they what they right. were, right? We have the moss and we have the trees and they're, they often will grow together, but they're so different in the plant kingdom. And we really kind of have like the lowest of the low, but in the best way, like really deep down in the earth. And we have these really tall trees and it, it really, in this one stone captures the energy of both of those. So I think those are great. And then just like really quick rundown, other ones, just if you already have these in your arsenal, green apophyllite. Apophyllite is typically uh, clear or white. It's a crown chakra stone. It's a very spiritual stone. So green apophyllite is really wonderful for connecting to the spirituality of nature, to the energy of Gaia herself. Mm. Um, Also connecting to like Gaia and mother energy and the nature, nature energy are praseolite, which is actually a green variety of amethyst, basically. Um, so praseolite, chlorate phantom, which I have a great Himalayan example here that I absolutely love. Beautiful. So chlorite in general is another fantastic mineral, and it often is found in quartz as well. It doesn't always have to be in phantoms, but uh, chlorite is another fantastic one. And most of you, if you have quartz, you probably already have chlorite hiding in there somewhere. Um, (laughs) green tourmaline. I have another little example of green tourmaline is beautiful. And and it's also a stone of abundance. So it just all ties in. I know. This is so fun. It's like crystal show and tell. I know. (laughs) Um, I love apophyllite. It's one of my favorite stones and I never knew there was a green one. There's a green one. Gotta find that. So, uh, And then the others are serpentine. Most people utilize serpentine for that kundalini energy, but we really, Mm -hmm. it's serpentine. It's got that serpent energy where it's like they are on their bellies. Like you cannot get more connected to 
the earth. So that's a really good one. Seraphonite is another one for connecting to like Gaia energy specifically. So like pretty. The spirit of the planet. That's so pretty. So Seraphonite is fantastic. And then, oh, I have Serpentine twice. So that will end on Seraphonite. <laughs> I've never heard of seraphonite before. It's beautiful. I'm it's a uh, it's like silvery. I mean, I saw silvery green. It's a clinic, 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 yes, clinic, yeah, clinic, clinic, <laughs> typically found in Russia, wow. right? Yes. Oh, yeah. cool. Yeah, but you don't see it I mean, very often, I, so that's probably why you haven't heard about it. And I think mm -hmm. for those who maybe don't have access to even that many crystals, clear quartz. Like just clear go quartz. for clear quartz. Yeah, when right. when in doubt, doubt. <laughs> clear quartz when is always doubt. your answer. Yes, exactly. They're just amplifiers and you can, you can actually ask them to pretty much be whatever you need them to mm -hmm. be. In that 100%. So true. If you don't, if you're like, oh my God, that seraphonite sounds amazing, but right now I don't want to buy anything from Russia or it's actually a lot harder right now to yeah. find crystals from Russia unless they're already in the yeah. country. Um, it's like, I don't have a seraphonite, but like. You can hold that clear quartz and you're like, clear quartz, I really Program just need it. you to hold <laughs> the energy of seraphonite right now. Like, I know you're all connected. Yeah. Just hold that energy and like, we're going to work together. So yeah. thank you for that reminder. That's a fantastic reminder. Yes. And, and really important for especially a lot of people who, again, may not have the funds to like invest in all these different crystals. It's, totally. a, it's a fantastic one to have as your, to have as your backup, to always exactly. have to like, fill in because it can be anything. Exactly. Anything. Pure magic. Anything. And there, there's, there can be so clarifying too, mm -hmm. you know, like they're just, to me, they're kind of like the pathos, you know, yeah. <laughs> like the pathos is kind of like your, your best plant for any beginner and people who've had plants for a long time. Literally. There's so many different types. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they're like falling they're all over my so house. Great. Love it. And the clear quartz is like that. Like yeah. I never get tired of them. Not ever. Mm -hmm. Right. And besides all the ones that I mentioned, clear quartz, you can definitely use clear quartz and your plants. They yes. will thank you. Right. Oh yeah. Always. I have a lot of clear quartz. I actually have a lot of amethyst in my plants too. And I think that's mm. because um, sometimes I get like, so I don't know if I mentioned, but I, I have a, uh, a line of crystal succulents that are chakra line that I ship around the country. And so I, I get a lot of amethyst ones and sometimes they come broken. Oh, and mm -hmm. I can't send them back. And I'm like, what am I going to do with these broken chunks of amethyst? And I'm like, I know exactly what I'm going to do <laughs> with these broken chunks of amethyst. They go into my plants. And sometimes I'll even create terrariums where that's like a beautiful Aww. hardscaping piece. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, I, I do a terrarium every year as one of my new year rituals. Like I redo my terrariums as this beautiful, like ritual for myself for kind of finishing up one year, starting a new one. And typically I, I get clear on what my word is for the upcoming year. And then I make a terrarium with that word as a theme. Cool. So my word for 2023 was magical. Ooh. So I took one of my older terrariums that I hadn't redone in like five years. Cause it's like a really, really big one. Um, but it needed to be redone. And I was like, Ooh, I'm going to redo this one. And I had these big chunks of, of amethyst. So I like mm. added those in it to like bring in more of the magic. So I just had this like really magical terrarium that Ooh, I created I with that. broken amethyst. But that makes total sense, especially for you. And, and again, like my list is not, you know, always use your own intuition, but for yeah. you, connecting with them in the spiritual way, connecting with yeah. them in um, 
in such a mode that they are channeling through you, it yeah. makes a lot of sense why Amethyst would be the one they're like, this is, this is the connector we need. Like we need this and we're going to amplify your messages and I need to hear them. So, I mean, it makes complete sense. Like pulling in that brow, that brow chakra stone there. Yeah. Totally. Totally. So, that's beautiful. Because I'm a medium too. Like that's one of the things, um, and it's kind of interesting. Like I, we spoke about it a little bit earlier, but you know, when, when me, with me talking about like channeling through the, the, the mm -hmm. wisdom of the plants and their messages, I'm so glad that I actually had two years of rejection when it came to this particular book, because the book that I had initially proposed was very different than what this book turned into. And I actually feel like it was one of those cases where the universe knew so much better than me. <laughs> what the book was that I was meant to write. And I had two years of rejection with the idea that I proposed. But in that two years, I was developing my own gifts. I was taking courses to grow my intuition. Mm. I, could, I knew that I had it. I knew that I had these abilities, but I didn't know how to call upon it reliably. I didn't, it felt like this thing that would happen to me as opposed to like, this is a tool that I am using, right? Mm -hmm. So you know, with 2020 and everything that happened, I started taking some online courses. I found a mentor who um, really helped me kind of grow my intuitive gifts. And by the time this book actually did manifest, I was in a place where I could sit in meditation and channel and really be a medium for the wisdom of the plants. And so I'm so grateful. I think even in the acknowledgments, I think I even thank the rejection yeah. because it got me to the place where I could be the writer of this book. And if I had gotten that first, you know, and if I, if I had gotten the book deal with my initial proposition, it would not have been this book and it would not have been as spiritually connected. So I'm really grateful actually. And how beautiful is that? I feel like that's such a great reminder for all of us when we have this vision of what we're, what we're trying to manifest. Like, I know it's, it's this, right? This is the thing I want to manifest and things keep going the other way and we're getting frustrated and we're getting frustrated. And sometimes a lot of us just give up completely. It's like, well, obviously it wasn't meant to be, but instead still continuing, but staying open to the signs and being willing to change and evolve in what your thought is, because how you worded it has been so right and spot on for me so many times is that the universe knows better than we ever can <laughs> and can dream yep. up something so much bigger than we can. So it's like, totally. A, don't give up, but B, just trust because there's something better. Yeah. If it's not working out, yeah. something better is on its way. And it, at least in my experience, that's how it's always been. So it's just that, yeah. that reminder. So beautiful. And I actually, because the, the book that I was initially proposing was going to be a book that would go all into how living and working and being around plants has an impact on us mentally and physically and spiritually too. Mm -hmm. So it was going to kind of be like an encyclopedia, but that, I, that was where I was, that was what I was so curious about. That was what my life was at that moment was like, these plants came into my life and everything changed. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to write a book about that. Um, so the, the publishing house that eventually that found this book, when I sent them the original proposition, they're like, we like this idea. It just feels really, really big. Um, <laughs> but we love the idea of just like the spiritual side. That's a book we haven't seen yet. And that sounds really, really interesting. And I got so excited because I'm like, that's how I live with plants. That's the <laughs> whole like influence plants have had on me. And now it's like this beautiful reciprocal relationship we have. So I wrote a whole proposal. I was so into it. I was checking my astrology and 
it really seemed like this was going to be it. Like they were going to say, yes, this was going to be the book deal. And I was so excited and my editor loved it. And then she brought it to their like sales team, their marketing team. And I got the lovely statement of, we don't know how to position this book, which basically means we don't know how to sell this Mm -hmm. title. And so I had three days where I kind of was like temper tantrum, like, no, what do you mean this is a no, universe, what are you doing to me, right? Like, this was supposed to be a yes, you know, right. like doing the human thing of like, nah, right? And then after three days and being sad and I was like, okay, no, I, I, I don't want to get stuck in this place. What's coming next? But my editor came back and was like, okay, what if we reposition the book instead of it being about the spiritual uses of plants? What if we reposition it as everyday plant magic? And we really mm. talk about how can you utilize the plants that everyone bought during the pandemic? How can you utilize it to create a better sense of wholeness and wellness and magic in your own life? And I was like, oh, that sounds really cool. Am I the person to write this book though? Because I was like, I'm the spiritual person. Now they want magic. Like, are they talking all about spells and and potions? Because that's not really the kind of magic I do with plants. So kind of like you were saying, define nature. I had to define magic for myself. Like, what does magic actually really mean to me? So I define magic as like magic to me is the knowing that everything is energy. Like magic is like the, the, the spark of creation, the energy that, that creates and is in everything. And then to craft magic, the act of making magic is to very intentionally manipulate and work with those energies. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I had that definition, I was like, okay, wait, no, that's exactly, exactly how I work with plants. And I am the person to write this book. And when I was sitting and doing the actual plant profiles and I was writing and researching about how these plants help us physically, how they help us emotionally, what's the magic behind them. I was like, oh my God, like this was the book I was originally thinking back in my kitchen in 2018. Like I'm writing it right now, but it looks so different than what I had thought. And like, I just remember having this moment where I almost started sobbing because I had this realization that like, Mm. this was exactly the book I had already, the universe seeded this book in me back in 2018 and I'm writing it right now. And this was always the book. And the journey that this book took me on was always the journey I had to go on so I could be the more magical person I now am. I so we that. like, we so wrote true. each other. Yeah. Like the book wrote me and I wrote the book, you know? That's so cool. <laughs> That's so beautiful. I love it. It makes me want to cry again. <laughs> I'm a cancer, so I cry all the time. <laughs> so I know, so you mentioned that you have a course as well. Yes. So could you tell us a little bit about your course, how people can connect with you if they're really resonating with your energy by listening to this, um, different ways that they can connect with you and and learn with or from you. Oh, yes. Thank you for that beautiful platform. So I'm actually launching my first ever group coaching program right now. Um, I just launched on Monday, just after the new moon. So Ooh. kind of close to you guys. Yeah. Yes. I love it. It was a good new moon for launching. Actually. Right. Um, it's called Intuitive Magic, Cultivating Your Psychic Gifts, and it's an eight-week live coaching program, so we'll be meeting together live every Sunday for eight weeks. We have one Sunday off for Easter. Um, we start with the Pisces new moon because yeah, Pisces because, is yeah. mystical. Mm-hmm. And it, it just works, right? Swimming in those, um, those magical waters. 
Totally, totally. And I work a lot with moon magic. So I I work a lot with the energies of the moon. So we're going to start there every week. We're going to go into just like information. So there'll be a lesson that I'm teaching, but we'll go into energy practices and then we'll always have opportunities to practice with each other because that's really how we grow our intuitive skills is by practicing and getting the feedback and the validation that like, oh my God, this is actually working. The affirmation of it. The affirmation. Yeah. And we're, we're going to touch on, you know, our clear abilities, what is intuition, the difference between intuition and instinct. Um, we're going to talk about <clears throat> energy vibrations and why that's important, especially for working with your intuition. We're going to dive into the chakra system and how to utilize your chakras, especially for intuitive connection and communication. We're going to go into somatics because somatics, which is reading your own body, feeling Mm -hmm. inside your own body and right outside your body is super important when it comes to intuition because so much of how we get intuitive information is through our sensed perception of things. So we're going to talk about somatics. We're going to talk also about symbology because that's a lot of the way the universe communicates with us through signs and symbols. Um, We're going to go a little bit into ethics as well because I think that's really important just because we have the ability to read people doesn't mean we're always invited to, you know? Right. So we'll go into that. And it's just, I'm, I'm so excited about this program. You know, I'm sure you guys like, know. I want to like sign up for this. This is awesome, <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> it's, and I don't know when this is going to air. So I probably shouldn't state the early bird ticket pricing because this will probably air after that. But um, regardless, um, I'm just so excited about this because I'm, I'm in the creation mode. I've already gotten like, I'm in week five now in terms of creating the presentations. And like, I'm so, you know, when you're in that place of creation and you're just, all I want to do is work on this one thing. And it's just like, huh? like yeah, you're just what? so passionate about it. Everything else goes by the way. Totally. Like, oh, I have to feed you children again. What do you mean? I right? have like, to eat. I have to shower. What? Totally. Like, sometimes I'm totally like, Oh wait. Yeah. When was the last time I ate? Like, cause I can get so into that creative space. That's my energy. I'm very much a creative. Um, so I'm just like so excited about it. And I also know this is going to be another book I'm going to write as well. Um, so, so anyway, that starts, uh, February 19th. We'll be starting that. And you know, for people who are interested, just so you know, there, you can always reach out to me if you're interested. I do offer payment plans as well because I know that these are often larger investments. So I don't want, you know, the idea of the finances to ever be a barrier to anyone either. So if you're interested, you can lurk at that. Um, if you're looking for something more self-guided, I do have on my website, I have What's your a website? presentation. Oh, sorry. My website is infinitesucculent.com. Thank you. And you can, <laughs> yes. And you can find me at Infinite Succulent pretty much everywhere. I'm cool. most active on Instagram and TikTok. Really don't go on Facebook at all anymore because I just don't like it there. Yeah. Um, we'll be linking all but, this in the show notes too, but okay, yeah, it's good to say it out loud. Just so, yeah. yeah. Just in case. Yeah. Yeah. So you can find me everywhere at Infinite Succulent, and that's my website too. Um, I have a presentation called Houseplants for Health and Plant Care as Self-Care that I did back in 2020. That one is one that you can kind of just watch. It's a few hours. Um, And there's an ebook that goes with that called Houseplants for Health, which kind of just talks about how houseplants actually impact us from the health perspective and then also teaches people 
how you can choose the right plants for your home and for your lifestyle. Um, it's just a very short ebook that you can find there. Um, I also do one-on-one coaching and I have four, like, so one month, two month and like six month packages where I just work one-on-one doing spiritual life coaching and soul purpose coaching. And as you can tell, just listening to me, my uh, niche is really in um, helping people reconnect to the magic of nature and the magic of their own soul. And I help people also enhance their intuitive gifts and their understanding of energy as well. That's really where I specialize. Um, I also offer one-to-one services. I do energy sessions, both in-person and remote. I do intuitive reads, which I call spirit sessions, which are really just opportunities to ask intuitive questions. Um, these are also where mediumship reads come in because I am a medium as well. And then I also have plant consults where I can oh, help cool. people audit their homes and figure out what are the best plants to bring into their spaces, why, where to put them, how to care for them. So I do a lot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and it's all gosh. on your website. Infinite Second It's all on my website. So if you guys are looking oh, okay. to work with her. Yeah. And if you love working with the moon, you can subscribe to my, I call them my moon letters, but I send out a newsletter for every new moon and every full moon that talks about the energies. It'll usually link to like the blog where I'll also have some journal prompts and rituals. Um, but I share about every, uh, lunation as well. So if you like to work with the moon magic, then you can just subscribe and that's just some free content I create. Yay. Thank you. if anyone is interested in getting Raquel's uh, book or books, plural, uh, but especially yeah. since we're talking about the everyday plant magic, we'll, we'll have that linked. And I just want to mention the link in our show notes is actually really cool. It goes to bookshop.org. We are not like, I don't like, they're not paying me to say this, but it's something I found during the pandemic. And it's like the anti-Amazon. So they have very similar Amazon pricing, but you're actually buying and you can like find every book everywhere, but it basically links you to all of the independent bookshops, like in the country and potentially in the world. Uh, And so it allows you to support local bookshops. So we do get like a little bit of an affiliate thing if you end up buying it through through that link. But I just also want like, I share this link with all of my friends because you're it's supporting your support local, bookshop. local bookshops. Yeah. Yeah. So and you can actually, and you can actually set it. So it will look first at a specific bookshop if you wanted to. So if you want to support your local bookshop versus local ones in general, you can actually set your preferences, which is, I think really cool. Yeah. Um, That's so, so awesome. But we'll have that linked in the show notes. So you can get it from not from other, other places besides giant corporations. You can get it from <laughs> yeah, independently exactly. owned bookshops, which are very important to society. Oh, I was going to say, especially when said corporations have decided not to even give any money to uh, nonprofits anymore. So <laughs> did you hear about that? No. no. They, they got rid of Amazon Smile, which was <gasps> the, the way that they were, you were able to like shop Amazon and still donate to, oh, no. you know, charities of your choice. Cuts profit. Well, anyway, by buying through our show notes, we do get a small exactly. portion, which helps us fund the podcast. So yes. you, you can help and our, our small business. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, everybody. So that's such a, what a beauty, as we would say that, what a beautiful mitzvah, you know, yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, mitzvah Indeed. Because you're supporting yeah. like small businesses all the way around. I love that. So well, Raquel, you do so many, you do so many things. You have like so many hats that are really all the same magical shifting hat, but can you, 
what are what are you um curating about for doing the embodiment journey I'm, I'm really excited yeah. to hear because I know there was a couple different ideas floating around. Yeah. And so I'm really yeah. interested. I think hopefully people listening are interested to find out what that's, what it's going to be, what it's going to look like. Yeah. So I, I'm, what I'm going to do for the embodiment journey is I'm going to guide people into learning to connect energetically and intuitively with their plants. So, and I'll probably do with a plant like a Sansevieria snake plant that has more yang, more active energy as compared to like a pothos or a syngonium or a plant that has a little bit more restorative yin energy. I'm going to teach people how to first create some energy in their hands, feel into the aura of the plant, notice what they're getting from that. And then I'll guide them into a little meditation to connect in with the root system of the plant and connect intuitively that way as well. Ooh. Oh, wow. Beautiful. That's amazing. I'm excited for that. Yay. Yeah, it'd be fun. Because I think we forget, I mean, even sometimes when we realize they're alive and we decorate with them, we forget that we can like talk to them and that yeah. we can listen to them right. in response. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I'm going to teach people cool how part. to listen to them. Yay, that's yeah. so cool. I'm excited. Oh, amazing. So you guys can find Raquel's um, embodiment journey on our website. We crystallizingconversations.com. Thank you. Crystallizingconversations.com. Very exciting. <laughs> so Yay! exciting. We also have Thank you. Thank We're you. so excited. It's it's been fun. It's been a big journey, but um, we also have our community on there, and we're really hoping to build that up into a beautiful space for other uplifting souls, so we can talk about you know talk about this episode. We can talk about your guys's experience with Raquel's embodiment journey, all the things. So make sure again that's at crystallizingconversations.com. It's away from social media. We tried to keep clear of Facebook. <laughs> so we hope you can join there as well. And then just in general, if you love crystallizing conversations, if you could just give us a, a good rating on whatever app you're listening on, we are on pretty much everywhere podcasts are. Just give us a little, you know, however many stars you think we deserve. <laughs> and then share with your friends and loved ones. If you're enjoying this and it's uplifting to you and it's resonating with you, I feel like it's our natural inclination to share. And if you're already doing that, thank you so much. We appreciate it. And thank mm-hmm. you, Raquel, so much for being here with us today. This has been so fun. And so just all the affirmations, I feel like, again, <laughs> your story is so similar to mine. It's just no wonder we're, we're getting along. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh Well, thank you so much, Iris. Thank you so much, Julian. This was such a joy. Like I could probably have conversations with you guys every single day. So I know, right? <laughs> we could have this conversation probably could have continued for many more hours. But thank right. you so much for I, having I think me. It could I, have. I really yes. appreciate it. Yeah. yeah thank you so really much. Really important for stuff. On. And I, I really appreciate the platform that you're creating as well. Thank you. Thank you. Well thanks oh. so much everyone. Thanks for joining and listening yes. in on our fifth episode. And we will be back in another two weeks. If you want to hear more of us, we have four episodes before this one. Uh, We also have our Blue Sapphire membership in which we have the community. We also have bonus episodes. So if you're like, ooh, I don't want to wait two weeks for the next episode. We have bonus episodes. We also have astrological forecasts and crystal pairings, um, behind the scenes stuff. I don't, we're... We're still brainstorming all the things that we want to bring all of you. But if you don't want to wait for more, that is a great way to start. access all of, <laughs> all of the bonus content. Uh, 
So I thank you for joining us. Um, Every time you listen to us, we appreciate it so, so much. And if you want to connect with us, we're also on Instagram as well. So if you aren't yet a member of our community and you're like, let me just find out what's going on, you can find us on Instagram. Please let us know what you thought of this episode. If you have any ideas for uh, topics you want to explore, please let us know there as well. We want to hear from you. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much, everyone, and have a beautiful day. Thank you. This concludes another episode of Crystallizing Conversations. We are so grateful for every moment you spend with us, whether that's listening in or connecting with like-minded friends in the Crystallizing community. To find out how to join, visit us at crystallizingconversations.com, where you can also explore our memberships, which gives you access to bonus episodes, astrological forecasts, behind-the-scenes content, live Q&As, meetups, and more. If this episode resonated with you, you can deepen your exploration through our embodiment journeys, ranging from mini courses to guided meditations to applied practices, all curated to support your embodiment and integration of each episode's topic. Remember, every time you choose to heal and grow, the collective heals and grows with you. Thank you for crystallizing with us.